Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Joe. Thanks so much for joining us today. Before we dive into today's episode, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those five-star reviews really help spread the word about this podcast to other listeners just like you. You can follow us on social media. Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok are at ProBookNerds. And you can send an email with questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes to professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. With that, I am so excited to welcome back Claire and Kristen to talk and join and all the fun, fantastic, fun, fantastic things today. Uh, we're we're diving into cozy mysteries. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm so good. I'm so glad to be here. I mean, we were talking before we started a little bit of a sleepy week this week, but nothing fits that mood better than a cozy. Oh my gosh. I feel like, and at least here in Cleveland, it has been foggy and mm-hmm. rainy. And is there anything better on days like that than having a cozy mystery and, and a warm drink? Get and just like curling up. Yeah. Yes. Nice oh, and yes. a drink. Yes. Get me some tea. Get me some cozy vibes. I'm here for it. Um, before we dive in, I have said recently that I just got into cozy mysteries. Don't know what took me so long especially because like I like I've said before I was I was a murder she wrote kid like I was watching it every time it was on so I don't know why I didn't dive into these sooner but what brought both of you into cozy mysteries Claire why don't you uh start us off yeah I'm honestly in the same boat as you I feel like growing up my idea of a cozy mystery was the paperback that my grandma had in her purse all the time (laughs) and that was like my vision of what a cozy mystery was But at the same time, I was reading Nancy Drew, watching Psych and Murder, She Wrote, and all these things that I know now are cozy mysteries, but I guess I just didn't put two and two together. Um, I feel like for me, I really only consciously got into them during the pandemic. Um, I was looking for lower stakes. I wanted to forget about the problems of the real world. And I wanted a guaranteed either happy ending or at least like solid resolution. And I am typically a mystery reader. And so just sort of looking for another way to enjoy mysteries and still get that puzzle component was my in for cozies. And as soon as I got there, I have never looked back. I love them so much. And yeah, this time of year is prime cozy time for me. I I am definitely learning that this is prime cozy time. (laughs) I I can't stick to (laughs) horror and thriller all year. I need need a little change up. Yeah. <laughs> just a touch only a dash of range for me please <laughs> Kristen what about you um so I also was a murder she wrote kid um but then it happened I don't know maybe like five or six years ago I really wanted to feel all of the fall feels so I was looking for fall themed books and I came across 
a lot of cozy mysteries. And I was like, okay, these seem kind of cheesy, but I'm going to pick one up. And I picked up actually the first book I'll, not the first book I'll be talking about, but the series I'll be talking about today. And it gave me all of the fall feels. So at all of the Halloween feels really. And from there I was hooked. I love cozies because it's like whatever you're to, you can pretty much find a cozy that is going to encompass that. They are so, they are, they're getting so inclusive and it's just, they're a good time. They're an easy like potato chip read. I love that description of potato chip read. Like you just want to snack on them forever, but you can go as bold with your flavors as you want all the way to like as plain as you want. I I don't have this one on my list because I don't think it fully fits the cozy vibe, but I just read The Golden Spoon by Jessa Maxwell. It was so good. You're absolutely right, Claire. And to me, it's like almost a cozy. It's it's the mysteries and thrillers that I feel like we both read, but it has that just like wholesome element to it that feels very cozy, even though it's not wholesome at all. Like rather, rather gruesome <laughs> murders and tidings in that book. But yeah, it's it's like an American version of the Great British Bake Off. And oh, it's just, it's so good. But like that's kind of the one end of like those are the the flame and hot chips and then the and <laughs> most of probably what we're bringing today is more the blend of like the like kettle cooked salted <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little sour cream in- oh oh yeah for sure <laughs> I think I've got some like funyun picks in here <laughs> <laughs> to to kick us off who want who'd like to start I feel like mine is gonna tie into like all of yours, Joe, because it's part of the cozy Q-U-O-Z-Y trend for queer cozies. So I'll just kick it off. My first pick is The Dinner Lady Detectives by Hannah Hendy. Um, Like I said, this is a Q-U-O-Z-Y cozy, um, which I have been really getting into lately. It was a term that was coined by Rob Osler, and I didn't realize how big of a trend that has become until I've been looking into it more specifically. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a whole subgenre of cozies, a subgenre of subgenres. So this one is a charming cozy mystery set in a British village, which is my personal favorite setting. And it's a classic we all love. Marjorie and Clementine are a middle-aged couple who live in the small idyllic town of Dusto, And they're working their way towards retirement, serving meals to the students at Summerview Secondary School. Dinner ladies are basically like the British version of lunch ladies, which I think is such a great idea and a really fun profession for your cozy mystery sleuth. One of the things I love about cozy mysteries is the range of random professions that it can include. So to me, this was just a really fun pick. Um, So their calm life is totally upended when their kitchen manager is found dead in the school's walk-in freezer. The police are adamant that it's an open and shut case of accidental death, but Marjorie and Clementine are convinced that there's something more nefarious going on. So, of course, they take it upon themselves to investigate. And as they get close to the truth, it becomes clear that someone is going to stop at nothing to quiet the pair. So I hadn't heard too much about this one before I read it, but it was so delightful. I obviously expected Cozy and it delivered, but I was not expecting it to be as funny as it was either. Um, I listened to the audiobook, which had a great narrator, and I would be walking around town doing errands, just laughing, and I would try to like cover my face a little bit because I was like, I don't need people to witness me walking down the street giggling, but it was just really funny. Like Marjorie and Clementine are so funny together. They're like a comedic duo, 
Um, and some of the shenanigans they get up to are almost slapstick in their humor. And dialogue is really quick and witty. Their relationship is charming. They're just this slightly cranky couple who's clearly been together for a super long time. And so it's a really fun pick. Um, I think if you like S.J. Bennett or Robert Thorogood, this would be a good pick for you. Um, and it's the first book in a series. There are two others out already. So definitely check this one out. What magical words. First book in a series. <laughs> I I often look like the town loony because... I always have headphones in when I'm walking my dog and I'm listening to a podcast or an audiobook and something that just makes me giggle and I look like I I've lost it. Yeah, look around for witnesses. Please, yeah. Please don't anyone be seeing this. <laughs> the the Q-U-O-Z-Y, now I have even better search terms to use to try to to try to find them. But like I I, I love the comfort of a cozy mystery, but having this subgenre in a subgenre really just just speaks so well. I think there's, I think it's something that was missing because I think a lot of us in like in the queer space can relate to this idea of just like I, I don't know. I always related to Jessica Fletcher being in everybody's business, being everybody's friend and trying to be helpful like it it was relatable to think that like yeah i'd be the town busybody like i expect to be like her when i'm 80 years old that's the goal that's the i feel like we're all cozy mystery readers that is the goal yeah except people are going to stop inviting you places if dead bodies just show up every time you come Oops. that's true <laughs> i mean I want a cozy mystery book where it turns out that the main character is the murderer, which like you can't tell anyone that that's because that would give it away, but it'd be pretty I great. I think it'd be fantastic. Maybe that already exists. I guess we'll have to read more and find out, but I... I guess I think so. you have to write it, Kristen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, then everyone will know. Going off of the the cozy the queer cozy trend, I'll I'll kick us with our uh, with my first one. This is the Body in the Back Garden by Mark Waddell. This is what got me into cozies. This is what made me start hunting for queer cozies. I stumbled upon this one because it's uh, the audiobook is narrated by Daniel Henning, who is one of my absolute favorites. I love his voice. I love everything he does. And I was truly just searching through him on Libby and came across this book. It's just so perfect. And this is the first in a series. And now I just find myself like grinding my teeth waiting for the next book to come out. So it just came out in 2023. Uh, we're in Crescent Cove, a small hamlet on Vancouver Island. It's the last place out-of-work investigative journalist Luke Tremblay ever wanted to see again. He used to spend his summers here until his family learned that he was gay and rejected him. Now, following his aunt's sudden death, he's inherited her entire estate, including her seaside cottage and the antique shop she ran for 40 years in Crescent Cove. Luke plans to sell everything and head back to Toronto as soon as he can, but Crescent Cove isn't done with him just yet. When a stranger starts making wild claims about his aunt, Luke sends him packing. The next morning, however, Luke discovers that the stranger has returned, and now he's lying dead in the back garden. To make matters worse, the officer leading the investigation is a handsome Mountie with a chip on his shoulder who seems convinced that Luke is the culprit. 
If he wants to prove his innocence and leave this town once and for all, Luke will have to use all his skills as a journalist to investigate the colorful locals while coming to terms with his own painful past. There are secrets buried in Crescent Cove, and the more Luke digs, the more he fears that they might change the town forever. It's like layers of twists and turns and so many delightful things. And, oh, well, you spent every summer here. So who do you know? Who remembers you? Like, it's that kind of second chance vibe. There's a, you know, of course, we know in all cozies, there's a bit of a love interest. If it's if it's not a couple solving crimes together, there's, you know, the, the kind of romance element that rolls in. And, oh, so good. Nothing like flirting over the case. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like flirting over the body. <laughs> right? <laughs> brings people together, really. Yeah, murder really brings people together. I've always said that. <laughs> I also love that a lot of cozies, like the first book in the series is someone like to the small town or moving to the small town. And I just love the small town vibe. I'm here for the small town. It brings in a lot of those tropes of of romance novels as well. And I, I really think the interplay between these two genres is is fascinating. Love that. Kristen, what's your first pick? Okay, so I am sorry. I think I have any cozies, uh, QU cozies on my list. Um, but the first I am going to talk about is my favorite cozy mystery series. And that is um, the Domestic Diva series by Krista Davis. And I'm going to specifically talk about The Diva Runs Out of Time, which is the first book in the series. It starts the whole thing off. Uh, so it is Thanksgiving in Alexandria, Virginia, a not-so-small town right outside of Washington, D.C. Uh, with her whole family coming to stay at her house, things very stressful. Sophie Winston is feeling the pressure that many hosts do at this time. But on top of that, her rival recently landed a lifestyle show on a local TV station. Sophie is an events planner and prefers a more relaxed style to Natasha's elegance and often counterintuitive in vice. Adding insult to injury, Natasha also happens to be dating Sophie's ex-husband, Mars, who lives across the street. This is enough to keep most people busy for a lifetime, but not in a cozy mystery. Sophie stumbles upon a body outside of the grocery store. After the police find Sophie's photo and her name in the victim's car, all evidence is pointing to her as the murderer. Can Sophie clear her name and cook up the perfect turkey? Uh, Krista Davis does an excellent job with description. Whether Sophie has been or she's about to run out to get something. Davis does a fabulous job of telling the reader about the sensory details, making it easy to picture yourself in the room. Sophie's house remains a gathering place for her family and friends throughout the series, whether expected or unexpected. And I love the ease with which Sophie deals with these pop-ins and all the food and drinks she offers. The characters in this series are also really fantastic. I love the rivalry slash friend between Natasha and Sophie. Sophie's best friend Nina pops in and she has really funny quips and it's just like a really fun character. Mars, her ex-husband, 
is a real charmer and actually someone who you really like. And Mar's best friend, Bernie, who owns a local pub in town, is also a really fun time. Uh, so this is a really great series with excellent descriptions and also excellent side characters. Um, again, this is The Diva Runs Out of Time. It's the first book in the Domestic Diva series by Krista Davis. This is my version of the book in Claire's grandmother's purse. Like I remember seeing <laughs> these books on the shelves of the library. This is what I think of. I think of like this one and the series that was all the different tea shops or yes. uh, the, or like the, is it Joanna Flunk? The, oh yeah. The holiday the, cooking. The desserts and yes. the, yes. yeah. Yeah. Those are like, those were always my kind of what yeah. I thought cozies were. And it's like, okay, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But it's great. They're so like, That fun. sounds perfect. They're it's, classics for a reason. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I will say this series has, I think at this point, probably like 15 books in it. So if you really want to dig in, you can. Um, and then the other thing that I feel like most posies have is you don't have to read them in order. So with this series, I actually started with like, what is it? Uh, I started with the fifth book in this series, The Diva Haunt which is a Halloween themed book. Um, I didn't feel like I was lost or anything. So yeah, for the most part, I think, I think you can read cozies out of order. I think you can too. I, well, I do think you usually have to read like the first one to get a sense of the main character's story and sense of self. But yeah, I love that about them as well, that you could truly just pick up any one of them. Whatever you want. That's another great thing about a long series is you can work your way through all the seasons with your characters, all the holidays, you get all the elements of cozy, all of the the pinpoint areas you're looking for. I I do really love that there's such a big play up of the holidays, that there is a Halloween book that you don't just have to be like, well, this has kind of the vibe because it takes place in fall. It's like, no, there's a Halloween one for you. There's an Easter, there's a Christmas, like how fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's probably a Valentine's Day one for right around the corner. Yep. It feels like the equivalent of, you know, when like the librarian books out the Valentine's books for kids. <laughs> I want that for me. <laughs> All right. Well, my next one is a newer one. This one came out in the last year or so. It's called Grave Expectations by Alice Bell. This one is a paranormal cozy. So we're sort of taking a different angle now. Um, it's also fast paced and hilarious. I'm realizing that for me, I love humor in my cozies. That's a trend I didn't realize that I like am seeing across the board for mine. Um, it's also a debut crime novel in which a burnt out millennial medium has to use her ability to see ghosts to figure out which member or members of a posh English family are guilty of murder. Like that tagline was really all I needed. I was sold. So the premise is that Claire is a medium who works with her best friend, Sophie. The pair have been friends since they were kids, years before Sophie went missing when they were 17. Everyone else is convinced that Sophie just ran away, but Claire knows the truth. She knows that Sophie was murdered, and she knows this because Sophie has been haunting her ever since, and now they work together. So Claire's working as a medium, and Sophie is her spirit guide. The pair agree to take on a seemingly simple job at a crumbling old manor in the English countryside, performing a seance for the family matriarch's 80th birthday. At the manor, Claire and Sophie discover a tragic and unrecognizable ghost, the spirit of someone who they learn was killed at the previous year's party. Claire decides to take on the case to help this poor lost spirit find peace. I mean, she's obsessed with crime shows, and Sophie can walk through walls, so what could go wrong? I feel like they've got everything they need. 
Um, they're also aided by the only two obviously not guilty members of the host family, ex-policeman Basher and non-binary teen Alex. Together, the four launch an investigation into which of last year's guests never escaped the manor's grounds. So this one is fun because it's not only a whodunit, but there's also the question of who is the victim, since the spirit is unrecognizable. And I think that's a really fun extra puzzle to it, because, I mean, how can you solve a crime when you don't know what the crime is, who the victim is? Um, so it adds a nice little piece to it. For this book, honestly, if I had one word to describe it, it would probably be quirky. It's just so different than anything else I've read. The four detectives have this sort of found family vibe that I absolutely love. It's one of my favorite tropes. Um, they're also basically working the case against their own incompetence to find the murderer. None of them are qualified. Even ex-policeman is like not really bringing any skill to this case, but through sheer will and like, I don't know, desire to work together, they're, they're going on anyhow. Um, and I would say that of all my picks, this one is probably the least traditional cozy, but it definitely still qualifies. My little disclaimer is that I think some people want their cozies to be like G or PG rating. I would say this one is maybe a PG-13 just for language, some mild innuendo, and then some like drug and alcohol references. But it absolutely has all the other classic cozy components. So this is like getting into the spice territory of the cozy range. Um but if that sounds like it's up your alley, definitely check this out. It's a really fun read and definitely sort of represents that new millennial cozy, which we're seeing more of and is really fun. I think it's the kind of book that's drawing in a new audience of cozy mystery readers. And this one is the first in the series. And the second book is set to come out later this year. So more to come. I didn't even think about like the rating scale of <laughs> of cozies, but you're right. Like yeah. GPG is the standard, and it's the standard. And I feel like the PG thirteen doesn't take anything away from the coziness, but it is something like we've said. There's a huge range of what people are expecting and looking for, so it's to, important to be aware of you know what you're getting into if that's something you really don't want. But to me, like cozy's cozy, <laughs> then that doesn't change anything. This sounds like so much fun. Mm -hmm. it, it really does. And I like the flow from anywhere from G to PG-13 because you go, oh, this one's a little risky. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because you get in such a mindset with these books. But Well, one of the running jokes, too, is like the medium Claire, she keeps going out to pubs and getting drunk and like forgetting clues and forgetting what he's like been working on. So that's also part of the PG-13 component. But it is also hilarious because you know sophie the ghost obviously can't get drunk and she is like the you know designated driver in their case at all times trying to get them back on track so it's just a fun extra um, I, I think adds to some of the humor of different take on the classic cozy immediately on my tbr list <laughs> My next pick is Bored to Death by C.J. Connor. This is kind of a, a yep, <laughs> I'm getting nods and thumbs up. It's a, a fun queer game shop uh, back in the, his hometown of Sugar House, running his family's board game shop and cafe. Ben Rosencrantz just can't seem to get his life to pass go, much less collect $200. Once he was a happily married English professor in Seattle, now he's a divorced caregiver looking after his ill father and a chihuahua named Beans while still figuring out the rules of retail management. At least the town has become more LGBTQ plus friendly than when he was a teenager, and that flower shop owner, Ezra McCaslin, enjoys flirting with him. 
But despite his usual clientele of gamers, Ben is barely earning enough to keep the store running and stay on top of his father's bills. Ben, a local toy and game collector named Clive, offers him a winning strategy to purchase a turn of the 20th century edition of The Landlord's Game, the realty and taxation game that inspired Monopoly, at a tenth of the rare edition's true value. Suspicious of Clive's shady low-priced deal, Ben turns down the offer. Then Clive turns up dead on the front of Ben's shop, with a backpack full of $100 bills that appears on his doorstep. Now Ben is the number one suspect in Clive's death, and unless he and Ezra can prove his innocence and find the real killer, he'll go to jail for murder, and no amount of double dice rolls will set him free. This this is a fun one. It is, it's just a good time. It's nice to see someone have the balance of dealing with stress and grief and, you know, fear of where their life is going, but also gotta solve this crime so that I can figure out where my life is going. It's got some great scenes of being that true Angela Lansbury detective moment. There's some some good tense moments and a, a really cute romance plot, which is not a spoiler. It's it's there in the description and it's pretty much there from the second they meet, which I also enjoy about cozies. It's like the, are they going to get? Yeah, they're going to get together. They always get together, at least in my experience so far. <laughs> They have to. That's always a cozy. <laughs> right. Solve the mystery and you get the guy. <laughs> Solve the mystery and everything changes for the better. Yes. I love this book. I feel like it's almost pure cozy that happens to have a mystery. Like the mystery is almost secondary to the cozy. That is a perfect way to put it. I was like, I don't know how I can describe this one. I know it's a cozy, but that's exactly it. It's like just live in someone's life for a day with just a dash of mystery. <laughs> just a dash. It's also a really good one for people who don't consider themselves mystery readers. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like the romance is so strong. We actually recommended this one to a member of the team who's almost purely romance reader. And she really enjoyed it because there's that that appeal, you know, for someone who doesn't think they want to read a mystery. There's the draw for other elements as well. Right. And also, again, if you like a a family story, this is a great way to see kind of a bond that might have been a little tense between father and son heal over, t- you know, over the course of the story. Uh, and yeah, if you're if you're a romance reader, good one for you. <laughs> Love that crossover. Um, so my next story, Farm to Trouble by Amanda Flower. And this is part of the gardening and business side of cozies. It's the story of Shiloh, who decides it's time to leave the big city and return to her Michigan roots to help save her family farm. Her father is having a hard time keeping the farm up, and Shiloh sees there needs to be new investment in the property to get the farm out of the red. She finds an investor whose proposal seems perfect. Only problem is he ends up dead, and it's well known that her dad held a grudge against the man. On top of dealing with the laundry list of issues on the farm, Shiloh also has to prove her father isn't a murderer. Oh, and reclaim. And reacclimate. Hold on. I'm going to I'm going to do that sentence all over again. On top of dealing with the laundry list of issues on the farm, Shiloh also has to prove her father isn't a murderer reacclimate to the town and friends she left behind. This book most likely strongly appeals to me because of my little homesteader heart. 
The idea of getting your hands dirty, working the land, and providing for your family appeals to me. Thing about Shiloh doing those things and also small town life is a bit like living a fantasy. Um, Farm to Trouble is the first book in the Farm to Table mystery series by Amanda Flower. Uh, if you are looking for more farm or farmer's market, farm stand mysteries, I'd suggest The Greenhouse Mysteries by Wendy Tyson or The Orchard Mysteries by Sheila Connolly. I feel like a lot of the cozies I am drawn to are ones where people own like a small business of some sort. Um, I just, I like seeing people who it's like they've taken that risk and then like you're watching them build their business throughout the series. Of course, no one ever fails at their business in a cozy mystery series. Never. But I, I still think back to um, you recommended Steep to Death in our our witchy in our witchy episode. And that kind of thing of even though the business was established, someone taking a shot for the first time at owning a small business when that was not the life they had before. Yeah. I also because I really love a lot of these you guys are going to hear even more recommendations from me because i was just like i gotta i gotta get them all in so yeah (laughs) (laughs) right i'll just give you like a full two minutes at the end to to go through and just wrap it'll be like your own version of the poker wrap where you're just shouting off cozy mystery after cozy mystery series (laughs) did you say the poker wrap and the poker from pokemon the pokey wrap oh I'm yeah. sorry, I'm not a Pokemon. It's okay. <laughs> Every episode ended with them like singing all of the names of the Pokemon in a rap. Oh. But it was very rapid fire. You know, it's fine. I know what I will be looking age. up after this. So. It's a great time. <laughs> the original 150. <laughs> this, is, this is who I am. I love it. I love it. Claire, what do you have next for us? Literally writing this down. <laughs> Please, no, um, don't forget to look up the photograph. <laughs> My next pick is Mango, Mambo, and Murder by Raquel V. Reyes. This one is the first book in the Caribbean Kitchen Mystery Series. Cuban American food anthropologist Miriam has just moved from New York to Coral Shores, Miami for her husband's work, putting her academic career on hold to stay home with her young son. Now she's dealing with a very opinionated, pretty awful mother-in-law who looks for just about every opportunity to put Miriam down, and her husband has rekindled a friendship with his ex and is suddenly not making it home for dinner at night. Suffice it to say, Miriam is not having the best time. The good news, though, is that her best friend Alma gets her a short-term job as a Caribbean cooking expert on a Spanish-language morning TV show. But when Miriam attends a women's club luncheon, a socialite sitting at her table suddenly falls face-first into her chicken salad and is pronounced dead. When a second woman dies soon after, Miriam's suspicions grow, and when the police start to focus their investigation with Alma as their main suspect, Miriam starts to look into things on her own. At first, the detective on the case isn't thrilled to have her running around and trying to solve this case on her own, but he soon enlists her help as the eyes and ears of the Coral Shores social scene. Miriam is a really cool heroine. She's no-nonsense, she is super competent, and even though she's certainly an amateur, I feel like she approaches her investigation with a little bit more logic and maybe some more planning than some of the other sleuths from like other series that I love. So I think that's a really fresh take and I enjoy that about her as a detective. And Coral Shores gives off these sort of Stepford vibes and Miriam is 
she's just a really strong heroine because she's working to maintain her Cuban heritage despite her mother-in-law's disapproval. She's working on keeping her young son bilingual, maintaining her career despite the setbacks of moving, and she's highlighting her culinary heritage. So the book is addressing some really like realistic cross-cultural drama and providing some thoughtful social commentary, all while keeping the intrigue and keeping it cozy. So it's it's juggling a lot of plates and it's very successful. Um, the author really pulls it off. And the book also has some delicious recipes included. So love me a culinary cozy. I I feel like I, I it's funny, I listened to the audiobook for this one and I kept listening for the recipe too, even though I wasn't like reading it or writing it down. I was like, just describe to me what, <laughs> what you're making. I want to know. Um, and there are three books out in the series so far. The last one just came out in November of last year, but I am I'm ready for some more. I love the culinary cozies. Love it. I I also have the same experience every time where the book ends and then they start reading me the recipe and I go like, oh right, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot these will be here. <laughs> but what a cool expression of like heritage and just so much to it that it's tackling additional perspectives and issues along the way right and we talked to too about how the cozy has expanded in recent years and how i think there's this classic idea of like the cozy is traditionally fairly white and the cozy is traditionally in you know sometimes a small english village it's it's very homogenous and i feel like it's really branching out to include different cultures and different perspectives and just different fun characters it's just more variety for readers and i think it's excellent i i really enjoyed this one a lot Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. I also love that cozy covers, you can <laughs> spot one from from a mile Absolutely. away. From This could have come out last week and it would still have the same cover as if it came out 20 years ago. And Unless. that's not a complaint. <laughs> I love that there that there's very little change to a cozy cover. You know exactly what you're picking up. <laughs> know exactly what it is. Yep. <laughs> My next pick is Magic Lies and Deadly Pies by Misha Pop. This is the debut of the series. So this is book one. Uh, Pies Before Guys is the series, which who doesn't love that? was released in May of 2022, and then book two came in 23, and I believe there is one coming out later this year. Uh, great for fans of Ellery Adams and Mary Maxwell, uh, but Daisy Ellery's pies have a secret ingredient, the magical ability to avenge women done wrong by men. 
The first time Daisy Ellery killed a man with a pie, it was an accident. Now, it's her calling. Daisy bakes sweet revenge into her pastries, which she and her dog, Zoe, deliver to the men who've done dirty deeds to the town's women. But if she can't solve the one crime that's not of her own baking, she'll be out of the pie pan and into the oven. Parking her pies before Guy's Mobile Bakery van outside the local diner, Daisy's informed by Frank, the crusty diner owner, that someone's been prowling around the van, and not just to inhale the delectable aroma. Already on thin icing with Frank, she finds a letter on her door, threatening to reveal her unsavory secret sideline of pie a la murder. Blackmail? But who whipped up this half-baked plot to cut a slice out of Daisy's business? Purple-haired campus do-gooder Melly? Noel, the tender, if flaky farm boy, or one of the abusive men who prefer their pie without a deadly scoop of payback. The upcoming statewide pie contest could be Daisy's big chance to help wronged women everywhere if she doesn't meet a sticky end first, because Daisy knows the blackmailer won't stop until her business is in crumbles. I also love when the descriptions are full of puns. Like, oh, that was perfect. It's so good. <laughs> I also love that it's a cozy where it's characters like out to get you surprise i I found your book i was gonna say oh my god this is it it was on my list you don't see too much vengeance in cozies i really like that yeah Kristen, what do you have now so i am so happy that claire just talked about the caribbean kitchen series because i'm gonna talk about against the current by olivia matthews so this is about a small bakery in Brooklyn, New York, that has Grenadian roots. Opening a bakery featuring her family's Grenadian treats has been a dream of Lindsay's for a long time. After years of saving and her family's help and encouragement, Lindsay is opening the doors to Spice Island Bakery in Little Caribbean, Brooklyn, New York. Her soft launch goes splendidly, with neighbors raving about the food and even a write-up in a food blog. The only thing to spoil Lindsay's success is a rival baker, Claudio, who threatens to shut Lindsay down because she is competition. Lindsay stands up to the bully and kicks him out of her store to the cheers of her customers. The next day, Claudio shows up dead and Lindsay becomes in his murder. It soon feels like the police are no longer looking at any other suspects. So Lindsay decides to take matters into her own hands and investigate the murder. Her grandma and cousin insist on playing a part in the investigation, even to the protests of her brother and her parents. I really love this book because there's a really strong family connection. Lindsay lives with her parents. Her brother is a really big part of her life and everyone is helping out at the bakery. So you get to see all of these family members and see their relationships with each other all the time. And it's just, it's really sweet and you feel the love between all of them. So it's so nice. I also love that this book is part of the trend we've been talking about towards making wherever you live a cozy place. So not every cozy mystery has to be set in a small town. This one is set in Brooklyn. Joe, I think one that bored to death is set in what Salt Lake City. I like seeing that a big city can still feel really cozy. You find your place, your community, your home. And that's where taking place. Um, Another thing that was really great about this and that kind of goes against what I see a lot in cozies is 
Lindsay's family kept outlining how dangerous it is to look for a murderer on your own. They kept being like, hey, something really bad could happen to you. If someone thinks you're on to them, you could get murdered. And that's something that I feel like is overlooked in a lot of cozies where it's just like, everything is fine. Will ever happen. And in this one, they were like, something bad could really happen. Um, so it was really fun to read that and just kind of be reminded that, yeah, investigating murder is dangerous. It was refreshing to hear brother or the parents tell her that if this person was murdered once, if this person has murdered once, that they probably won't have an issue murdering Lindsay as well. Um, so again, this was Against the Current by Olivia Matthews. It's the first book in the Spice Isle Bakery Mystery Series. I think there are three books out so so far. And if you really like the bakery mysteries, I'd suggest the Bake Shop Mystery Series by Alexander and the Beacon Bake Shop Mystery Series by Darcy Hanna or the Baker Street Mystery Series by Valerie Byrne. Lots of bakery out there. I feel like the food does such a good job of grounding the cozy in the cozy because you could get caught up in the drama and you can get caught up in the danger. But as soon as they start describing what they're baking, it like brings you back and you're like, okay, everything's fine. Everything's going to be okay. It keeps it safe in its own way. It's so true. There's just like these rest stop moments almost where it's just like, okay, we're going to we're going to center here and take ourselves back to a, a good moment of calm, make you think of good food and and sweet, intriguing treats. And then we'll go back into solving the murder. <laughs> what a good point. I've never thought of it like that. And now I'm I'm going to read like, oh, they're they're centering me once more. OK, <laughs> this is my this is my five minute break before the drama picks back up. Yes. Well, I have one more food-related cozy of my picks. Um, this is Death by Dumpling by Vivian Chien. And speaking of location, this one is sort of special place in my heart. It's set in Fairview Park, Ohio, so it's not too far from here. So it's cool to have an Ohio location and Ohio author. I love that. Um, and again, it's sort of like the idea of anywhere is your cozy. I feel like a lot of the joy of the cozy is the escapism, but it can be in your backyard too. There's no reason that your own home can't be cozy. You just have to think of it that way. So like I said, this is Death by Dumpling by Vivian Chien. So the last place Lana Lee thought that she would ever end up is back at her family's restaurant, the Holy Noodle House. But after a tough breakup and quitting her job, she figures that helping wait tables is her best option to keep paying her rent while she works on piecing her life back together. Even if it means dealing with her mother who is dead set on finding Lana a husband. That becomes less of a priority, though, when the restaurant's property manager, Mr. Fang, turns up dead after Lana delivers an order of shrimp dumplings. Everyone on staff knew about Mr. Fang's severe shellfish allergy and would never give him shrimp. And Mr. Fang always had an EpiPen with him. So what happened? Now the whole restaurant is under suspicion and a police detective keeps turning up for takeout and questions. Lana feels like he's looking at all the wrong places, though. And with his focus on the Noodle House chef, Peter who Lana has known all of her life, she feels like she has to dive in a little bit and help. Lana's also grown up with many of the neighboring shopkeepers at Asia Village, which is the shopping center Mr. Fang owned, so she decides to start asking questions to clear her name and her co-workers. This is such a fun closed circle mystery. Asia Village is this really tight-knit community, but everyone has their secrets, and Lana's using her history with everyone to ask questions, and she's also relying on the gossip mill to get her intel, which is one of the most fun parts of the cozy, I think. It's one of the classic staples. 
Um, Lana's best friend and roommate, Megan, is also a super fun sidekick who is enthused by the idea of sleuthing. And she gets really into it. Like Lana's a little bit unsure that they should be digging into it. And Megan is like, yes, here's a book on how to sleuth. Please, we are we are going all in on this. So it's a really fun one. Um, Lana makes for a really relatable narrator. She's, you know, she's not sure she wants to get into it, but once she starts, you, you can't really stop. You get in deeper and deeper. There's some really clever red herrings thrown in there. And the cast of suspects is just really fun to sort through. I feel like the author does a good job of giving, you know, viable reasons for each character to be a little suspicious or have a motive. So it really does a good job of keeping you guessing. And this is the first in the Noodle Shop mystery series. There are, I think, nine out now. And the 10th one is coming out this summer. So more to come. I thought I read this series or not the series, this book, I don't know, maybe like a year ago and thought it had such like I can picture the setting in my mind. I can pick restaurant so easily. Mm-hmm. I, I think the author did such a good job of making that setting so easy to for the reader to see. Absolutely. You're sitting there with everyone as she's, you know, serving mm-hmm. food and asking questions. It's like, yes. yes, I'm I'm in this. I'm part of this. Yes. And there's something that always just works so well for me for close circle and and gossip mill. Those are my my favorite two pieces. <laughs> buzzwords <Highly> for you. <laughs> yes, buzzwords and highly relatable. <laughs> <laughs> So my next pick is Renovated to Death by Frank Anthony Polito. This is book one of the Domestic Partners in Crime mystery series from May 2022, uh, book two, May 23, and then book three is expected in August of this year, 2024. We follow real-life domestic partners and stars of the new hit reality home renovation show, Domestic Partners, best-selling mystery author Peter P.J. Penwell and actor J.P. Broadway are enjoying work and life in their sleepy Detroit suburb of Pleasant Woods until a suspicious death makes an unscripted appearance. After a successful first season of Domestic Partners, chronicling the renovation of the historic Craftsman Colonial, Peter and JP are taking on a renovation of a local Tudor revival inherited by identical twin brothers, Terry and Tom Cash. But linoleum floors and pink-tiled bathrooms aren't the only unwelcome surprises awaiting inside the house. Just as the show is set to start filming, Peter and JP discover Tom Cash dead at the foot of the house's staircase. When the police ruling changes from accidental death to homicide, the list of suspects grows fast. Could the killer be the crabby next-door neighbor, the realtor ex-boyfriend, the bartender ex-boyfriend, the the other much younger ex-boyfriend, or even renovation-reluctant brother Terry? And what's that awful smell coming from the basement? Now Peter's mystery writer skills and JP's experience as the former star of a cop show will be put to the test, as will their relationship, while they uncover the secrets of the house and its owners. With a killer on the loose, this is one fixer-upper that may prove deadly. I mean, come on, the camp of the, of like the mystery writer in the book and the actor boyfriend being JP Broadway, like it's just, it's so hammy and heavy handed it's fun. Like that's, that's cozy. It's just fun. Like <laughs> if you're an HGTV lover like me, I mean, why not? There's a cozy for every genre. <laughs> I love that this one like dives into that uh, home renovation show. That's like doing up your own historic house. Oh, yes. 
And again, we're in Detroit. Yeah. So, you know, same thing like small town off of, but still it's Detroit. I also love when a cozy brings in almost like soap opera level drama. <laughs> like uh-huh. it's so three ex-boyfriend perfect. potential <laughs> murderers. Like, right. Layer on the drama. So thick. I, I won't pass it up. <laughs> I'm also excited because I see that um, there is a new book coming out this year called Haunted to Death from this series, and it's Halloween based. So I'm going to have to read the first two in the series. That way I can read this one. <laughs> exactly. Set yourself up for a delightful time. <laughs> okay. I think it's me now. Um So I am going to talk about In the Company of Witches by Orly Wallace. This is a book that I could have talked about in our witches episode, but I am so happy that I get another chance to talk about it now because I love this series. Running an inn with your aunts in her small New England town should be a dream, but living with two men witches who just want what's best for you becomes grating quickly. At the moment, the most annoying thing Bryn is dealing with is a customer who cannot be satisfied. Constance Graves is a local who is known for being difficult, and she is now making the Warren Witches' lives miserable as a customer at their inn. One batch of trouble ends when Constance is found dead at the inn, but a whole heap of new problems arise when suspicion is thrown at Aunt Nora. Nora is brusque and intimidating to locals, but Bryn knows she couldn't have done this. Also, none of the locals actually know that these women are witches, so that's a big secret that they have to keep. It would be a lot easier for Bryn to solve this crime if her witchy abilities still worked. It's been years since she could talk to the dead. After her husband's death, his inability to speak to his she stopped using magic. Now she'll have to investigate the old-fashioned way and hope some magic from her aunts can help catch a killer. This book feels like practical magic and a cozy mystery had a baby and this is it. I loved the infusion of magic within this book and I thought the the family dynamic was really fun. Uh, in the Company of Witches by Orly Wallace is the first book in the Evenfall Witches B&B mystery um, and if you are looking for B&B content, I'd suggest the Mary Gro- Ghost Inn mystery series by Kingsbury, the Paws and Claws mystery series by Krista Davis, or Cajun Country mystery series by Ellen Byron. I'm so glad that you talked about this one, Kristen, because I was like trying to figure out where it could fit on my list. And I saw that you had it on yours and I felt such relief. I was like, okay. Someone has to talk about this this series. It's such a fun one. It's a very fun one. And I I just, I love the dynamic between the characters. And again, I just, anything with an infusion of magic is mm-hmm. perfect. I'm here for it. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I will say if anyone is looking for specific kinds of cozy mysteries, I often use uh, like cozymystery.com and they have so many lists for anything you're looking for. So that's a great one for anyone out there who's like, I really want a springtime mystery. Narrow the search. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I think I'm like you, Joe. I, I have the same problem as you where I my TBR list is an issue. I'm I've been notoriously, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I 
I've been only reading the first in the series because I feel so daunted by how many there are that I'm like, let me get through a little bit of everything. And then someday I will go back and read the second and third and continue. But I, I feel like I'm catching up, making up for lost time. And so I'm just trying to dip a toe in to all these series just to see what's out there and see where I want to keep going. I feel like that's my TBR list generally, where I'm just like, I can't, I can't read a whole series because I have to, yeah, dip my toe into all mm-hmm. of these different authors' books. It's a, it's a lot of like, how much can I get away with not reading because I have to read so much? Yes. <laughs> all right, we're we're down to the final round, Claire. What's your last title? This is it. So my final pick is Fifty Four Pigs by Philip Schott, DVM. So Dr. Peter Bannerman is a Canadian veterinarian who lives his life by logic and measurable facts, and he puts them to use in his veterinary practice, which, again, love these different professions. I love the scientific spin on this one. When there is an explosion at a local swine barn with a murder connected to it, and Peter's friend Tom becomes the prime suspect, Peter feels compelled to put his reasoning skills and his dog Pippin's excellent sniffing skills to use to help him clear his friend. When a second murder and a series of break-ins make the situation even more serious, Peter has a hard time recognizing when he's out of his depth and finding himself in the middle of a dangerous conspiracy. We talked about that too, when, you know, these amateur sleuths think that they're invincible. They're, you know, they're just, just digging a little bit. Nothing bad's going to happen. And it just escalates. This is one of those. It, it just escalates. Um, this is such a fun book. The author is also a veterinarian in real life. So there's a really acute attention to detail in the book that makes it really compelling and believable. Peter makes an excellent point early on in the book that being a veterinarian is a lot like being a detective. He's constantly working with patients who can't tell him what's wrong. So he has to follow clues and use deductive skills to figure out what's going on. So he's kind of a detective just by nature of his job. He's also even helped with the police in the past. He one time calculated a time of death by measuring cats' calories to determine when their owner last fed them before she passed away. So like he's actually taking veterinary science to a certain degree and using it as detective skills, which I think is really clever and a really good way of looking at it. And Peter makes for a really interesting amateur sleuth. He's friendly, but he's also incredibly introverted. He often spends more time talking to his dog than most people. He values logic over emotions. Uh, But he's also a charming, nerdy, tea-drinking vet who's sort of obsessed with sorting through facts, especially with this case. And this book, we we talked about sense of place. This book also has an amazing sense of place. It's set in rural Manitoba with a landscape of lakes and rivers and forests and mountains. And of course, really leans into the frigid winter weather and then cozying up by the fire with your tea. So it's definitely got all of that wonderful coziness. And of my picks, I think this one is best for more traditional mystery readers who maybe aren't sure about cozies and are trying to like, they're interested. It's a little less classically cozy than the others, but it definitely has all the right vibes and the components to still qualify. It's almost like if all creatures great and small merged with the Thursday Murder Club. So you're getting a little bit of the best of both of those worlds. And this book is the first in the series of the Dr. Bannerman Vet Mysteries, and the third one is set to come out in May. So I am I am ready for more. I didn't know I needed a veterinarian cozy mystery until I saw it existed. And I was like, yep, that that's it. And I will say, I, I was a little worried it would be too, you know, if there's any sort of like animal harm or violence or anything like that. I'm an incredibly sensitive reader. I can't handle any of that. But there's not really any of that. There are animal deaths, but they're off 
off page and there's nothing to really like fuel the imagination. So it, it maintains the cozy while having more slightly more serious and like alarming things like that. But it, it really doesn't take you out of the cozy factor at all. I love it. Did not. I also didn't know I needed a vet based cozy, <laughs> but I'm here for it. <laughs> These covers are are beautiful too. So I really like the yeah. I like the style of simple line work, but color blocking. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to wrap up my final title with Devil's Chew Toy by Rob Osler, as mentioned earlier in the episode. But this is a really great story of friendship, found family, uh, love, and drama where we follow Seattle teacher and part-time blogger Hayden McCall. He wakes up sporting one hell of a shiner with the police knocking at the door. It seems that his new crush, dancer Camilo Rodriguez, has gone missing and they suspect foul play. What happened the night before and where is Camilo? Determined to find answers, pint-sized, good-hearted Hayden seeks out two of Camilo's friends, Hollister and Burley, both lesbians and both fiercely devoted to their friend. From them, Hayden learns that Camillo is a dreamer whose parents had been deported years earlier and whose sister, Daniela, is presumed to have returned to Venezuela with them. Convinced that the cops won't take a brown boy's disappearance seriously, the girls join Hayden's hunt for Camillo. The first clues turn up at Barkingham Palace, a pet store where Camillo had taken a part-time job. The store's owner, Della Rupert, claims ignorance, but Hayden knows something is up. And then there's Camillo's ex-boyfriend, Ryan, who's suddenly grown inexplicably wealthy. When Hayden and Hollister follow Ryan to a secure airport warehouse, they make a shocking connection between him and Della and uncover the twisted scheme that's made both of them rich. The trail of clues leads them to the grounds of a magnificent estate on on an island in the Puget Sound, where they'll finally learn the truth about Camilla's disappearance and the fate of his family. I will say, one thing about Cozy's, you read the full description, you got a skeleton outline, you know what's happening, but they still always manage to save some juicy twists for you that knowing all of that really doesn't change anything or like the details really beef out in a way that help you raise the stakes and have that sense of uh, emotion and motion and community and love. And yeah, I'm, I'm into it, but that was Devil's Chew Toy by Rob Osler a great read one of my first reads of this year and well worth it well worth it for a q u o z y <laughs> i also enjoy that this cover is not your traditional cozy cover much more in line with um the last book that claire just talked about where it's a great color on the front and then like the opposing color so it's like that kind of mint and then a very like red pinkish dog on it. Oof, it works so well. They're not always traditionally covered, but when they when they deter from the path, they always do it well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what a fun title. Like I'm instantly curious about this book just by title alone. Like I know you're not supposed to judge the book by its cover or title, but like, yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. Drop me in. <laughs> All right. So it's me. I am up last. And I really wanted to end uh, with some bookish cozy mysteries. So the last book I am talking about is Murder is Binding by Lorna Barrett. If living or driving through a picturesque New Hampshire town full of bookstores sounds perfect to you, then read the Booktown Mystery Series. Trisha Owens haven't got a clue. 
bookstore in Stone, uh, Stoneham, a town full of bookstores. After moving from Manhattan, Stoneham feels like a friendly, cheaper option. Trisha has been running the store and getting to know the locals and the local competition for a bit now. She's been avoiding her snooty older sister until the day Annika decides to pay a visit and Trisha has to pay, play host. Things are going about as well as can be with the sister who seems to condescend to her all the time until the pair find Doris Gleason dead in her cookbook store, knife in her back. Doris's prized cookbook is also missing from the shelves. Tongues start wagging and locals start pointing fingers at Trisha as the culprit. What's any good Agatha Christie fan to do but solve the case? I love the setting of this series. It's very much a, uh, is it Hey on Why? Hey, I can't remember the English book town, but that's what it feels like. Uh, Trisha's bookstore also really has a great setting. It sounds so dreamy with paneled cushy armchairs, and all of the mystery books that you could ever want. Also, I love Mr. Everett, who's this elderly gentleman who frequents the bookstore. He's really sweet, really wise, and he just kind of continues to pop up throughout the Murder is Binding is Lorna Barnett. Uh, by Lorna Barnett is a great book if you are interested in book-related cozy mysteries. But if you are looking for more just like this, I'd suggest the Bibliophile Mystery Series by Kate Carlisle, the Magical Bookshop Series by Amanda Flower, because who doesn't want more magic in their cozies, the Library Lovers Mystery Series by Jen McKinley, or the Book Club Mystery Series by Laura DeSilvero. There are so many more bookshops book lovers related mystery series out there but these are just the ones I've read what a great note to end on like bringing the literary love full circle I love that I do love that that's one of the like hallmarks I feel like of a cozy mysteries mm -hmm. is, is the punny titles so yep I, I couldn't love anything more about cozies than how everything is pun centric I don't know why I held off for so long. How did I not recognize <laughs> that this was for me? <laughs> Same. I feel like at first I was like, mm, I don't know. And once you lean into the puns and just accept them, you get in deep. <laughs> There's no way out. That's right. Well, Claire and Kristen, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. This was so much fun. Well, listeners, make sure you check out all of these wonderful cozies and see what we're coming back at you with next week. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, happy reading. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com or in Libby. Our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.